Welcome. This is Stephen Lee, and this is life and the living of it. I want to talk about identity, how we see ourselves and then how we show up in the world. Now, what is identity? Is identity a, a label we give ourselves? Is identity the space or the shape of the space we take up? Is identity the message we send others? I guess the best definition of identity is who we recognize ourselves as, which of course can and does change all throughout life. Who is the person that shows up in our everyday? You know, identity is central to how we express life, but it's also a deep-seated need in each of us to discover what it is to be ourselves in this world. Part of growing up is having this path to self-identity. And it's a tangled path indeed. Because who do we listen to? Who do we not listen to? What sources do we think are credible telling us about ourselves? And what sources are not credible? For example, let's say John Smith. Did his parents say, you are a Smith, you will always be a Smith? And then tell them what Smiths do. A Smith has never quit. A Smith has never gotten sick on the job. A smith has never raised his hand in anger. Or a smith has never walked away from a fight. Let's say it's someone in authority. Let's say a teacher identifies you as a troubled student. It seems you're sent off to the principal's office way too often. It seems that if anything goes wrong in the classroom, the teacher's eyes go directly to you. So do you identify as a troubled student? The thing is, we all have to construct an identity. And shaping that identity also shapes the actions we take, the self-image we have, and maybe it prevents erosion, which is what I'm going to call it, that'll lead to a less fulfilled life. Other people can erode our sense of identity. We can erode our sense of identity. And sometimes we notice when a sense of identity has been eroded, because in the right circumstances, aspects of that identity come out when it's surrounded by positive, accepting, encouraging people. For example, I had a camper at camp, and he came in in a limousine. He came from an extremely wealthy family. And the first couple of days at camp, he was very quiet, very withdrawn. But slowly, this personality started coming out. This child who had a sense of humor, who did the greatest impressions of famous people. By Thursday of that week, he was keeping people in stitches. During the talent show on Friday night, he stood up there and did a killer five minutes. But then Saturday, he was picked up again by this limo. And you could see the first time that he saw that limo, he went back in his shell. Now, which is the real identity? The quiet, withdrawn, remote, cautious, careful child? or the child who could be a stand-up comedian. Besides the erosion of an identity, what happens when our identity is based on survival? Let's say it's based on getting basic needs met. Well, let's just take one need. Let's say it's based on getting safety needs met first. Well, if the safety needs for the environment and the people around that person have already been met, that's not that big of a deal. Identity building can happen normally. But let's say that child is in an unsafe environment, either physically unsafe or unsafe because of the people around them. 
then what does it mean to build an identity based on trying to be safe? Do we get an identity that's closed in like a turtle or that freezes or that flees? Or do we get a more aggressive identity, a distrusting identity? Someone who attacks first and asks questions later. Someone who is very egocentric because they have to be. We could say that identity dysfunction is when one aspect of identity overrides all other aspects of identity. For example, the survivor overrides any other manifestation of who we are in the world. So what is it that allow identities to form that are based on something other than just the self? How and where does group identity help individual identity? Now I can take my own faith, which is Christianity, and I can see that idolatry in identity happens when we are only self-focused. What happens when our interactions are not based on acting towards another as a beloved of God? but interacting with another on a transactional or utilitarian level, then suddenly the identity is not by being a child of God and seeing others as child of God, but it moves away to what's good for me. What am I going to get out of this relationship? How can this person be useful to me? Getting back to survival, this constructed identity means that the meaning behind things and people and interactions and connections is experienced and processed through this filter of does this hurt me, or might this hurt me, or does this empower me, which means give me power, or does this give me control of my life or control over my fears? Notice in this, there's no questions about the other person. Now, very close to this survival identity is this approval-driven identity, which is a lot more common. You might think approval in the terms of a pat on the head, or maybe your Sunday school teacher says, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Or perhaps you get a gold sticker at school. But what I'm talking about is approval identity as in whoever gives you the most approval or the kinds of approval you want has control over shaping your identity. For example, identity creation has become monetized by social media. And it actually preys upon our insecurities about our identity and also our deep desires for our life to have meaning. And because of this, this approval-driven identity is really susceptible to this moral ambiguity based on approval. Because identity is something that we suppose happens inside of us, it is something that we feel. And because we feel this identity, it's closely connected with our sense of what's good. If we have this approval-seeking identity and people say that something we did that might not be good is good, yay, we get several likes for it, then we do it. And eventually we come to see we are a person who does this. For example, uh, writing on bathroom stalls, blowing up toilets, vandalizing property. All of these things have happened on social media and students have been pushed in social media to destroy things, to vandalize things. The approval-driven identity of given the wrong approval by the wrong people for the wrong reasons, they start being one who identifies as someone who destroys things, who vandalizes things.
but worse is someone who needs that constant approval for their identity to be intact. Now, with identity and relationships, it, it gets worse if you're approval-driven. And it gets a lot worse if you're survival-driven. Because if someone starts telling you how you should act, or be, or think, or present yourself to the world, otherwise approval, a.k.a. love, will be withheld, then suddenly your ego, your identity starts changing. It's called ego disillusion. The self you were when you came into the relationship is not the self you identify as during this abusive relationship. But let's take this also to religion. If your religion teaches you that only a select people are favored of God and to not really treat other people as, as good as yourself, and so you start identifying as this one religion or this one denomination, and you start treating people who are not part of this religion or not part of this denomination as worse than you, and you get approval from others around you for vilifying these other people, for not spending time with these other people, for not being friends with these other people. And again, that's an ego and an identity dysfunction. Now, with both survival identities and approval-driven identities, there's something that happens as the identity erodes. Our ability to tell truth from falsehood, right from wrong, also erodes. Which aspects of truth are incompatible with these identities? Well, first, let's take God. If God's truth is unchanging, God has always called people to love and serve and be a servant to others and bring glory to God, neither ancestry nor human achievement has ever been the deciding factor in this truth of God. You shall love the Lord your God, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These haven't changed since the original writing of the scriptures. But let's take approval-driven identity. Whatever is good for us online becomes part of our identity. And whatever is good online is kind of fluid and ever-changing. Like Facebook has algorithms programmed to highlight and reinforce things like confirmation bias, paired with rapid sharing of information on social media platforms, and something that's actually a falsehood or maybe could be of injury to people, could be all around us in a span of minutes, could be misrepresented to us a thousand times a day. What truth is our identity based upon then? Now, for me, Christianity is a way of identifying, which first identifies with some unchangeable truths. Now, this helps me in my identity creation, but it also helps me in my identity stability. For if my identity is reinforced by actions such as loving my neighbor that arise out of my motivation to love as Christ loved, then my source, not only for identity, but for truth, becomes God. The vector, others. The power behind it, love. And of course you know that from all the songs, they will know we are Christians by our love. Now while I move in my identity, the way that I show up in the world and my actions, if they're based on fundamental unchangeable truths, and those truths are based on loving one another, then what can I expect out of my identity being expressed in the world? Partly, I can expect that I will stand up for people's rights 
and justice issues. And I will try to help them and be more compassionate. And I will have more peace, more patience, greater kindness, greater faithfulness, gentleness. I will have more expressions of love. I will look in the mirror and see someone who does love and is loved. To contrast that, I could be someone who looks in the mirror and says, I will do whatever it takes for me to remain safe, for my loved ones to remain safe. If you are not among my loved ones, and if you're not me, you might not be safe around me, especially if you get in my way. Now, of course, these are extremes. All of us, including myself, do have some survival characteristics of their identity. Of course we do. Would I try to protect my loved ones and myself from harm? Of course I would. But when I look in the mirror, when I see myself in my own reflection, I don't see someone who would do anything to prevent risk. I do see someone who tries to do things that promote love, that create connection. There is a difference. Also, having an identity based on something which is unchanging, like love, like loving one's neighbor, and also being in communities where what we base our identities on is all around us, for example, loving people, compassionate people, then there are automatic checks and balances for the times when the approval-seeking part of my identity rears its head. Then the moral decisions that have an immediate payoff, but not a long-term payoff, I can judge better. We all have parts of a survival identity and approval-seeking identity within us. Those people who have very secure identities and function very well in the world also have some identity which is based on things which don't change. Now, if those things, those truth, those visions, those statements of faith or belief include good for you, good for your neighbor, good for the community, and good for the world, you are much more likely to live a more abundant life, to have higher quality friendships and connections, to live in healthier groups, families, and communities. But most important, you will have the checks and balances to keep you from becoming an approval-driven identity or only a survival-based identity. For we do become what we believe we are. And this is life and the living of it.